I'm guessing if you listen to this podcast, you're already into your food, and sometimes we all want a foodie treat. Something that's quick and convenient, and let's be honest, probably arriving pre-packaged up. Fast food is pretty much the opposite end of the gastronomic rankings of what I'm better known for, but it doesn't have to be. In this episode, I'm going to treat you to a pizza cooking competition between myself and Dickie, as we try to prove that a home-cooked pizza can be full of character and great ingredients. Oh, fresh is best. Look who's just found some lovage pollen. Yeah. And I'm sitting down to discuss sustainable dining with a restaurant who do it just about better than anyone else. The nicest thing for us is that when it first started arriving, it was a waste product. Mm. And then by us um, giving it value and then requesting it and working with that supplier, it now comes as a premium ingredient. My name is Tommy Banks and this is my podcast, Seasoned where I take you behind the scenes at my restaurant, The Black Swan, and my family farm, where we grow the ingredients. This is Seasoned, episode 16, Pizza. Before we begin, you've only got a few days left to join the Well Seasoned Club before we draw our next winner. If you don't already know, Well Seasoned is my members club where you can receive bonus episodes and recipes a monthly newsletter, and a chance to win some incredible prizes. In next week's episode, I'll tell you who has won the chance to be one of the first overnight guests at the Abbey Inn. The Abbey Inn is opening up for rooms soon, and our lucky winner will win a stay in our best room, overlooking Byland Abbey, with dinner and drinks on the house. And you'll meet the team who have made the Abbey Inn possible. To be with a chance, you have to be a member of my club. It costs just £5 a month and you can join by visiting www.tommybanks.co.uk forward slash seasons. We'll also be sending out our second monthly newsletter before next week's episode, so keep your eyes peeled. Now then, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that a few weeks ago, Dickie and I visited Courtyard Dairy, who are pledging to make a mecca for cheese in the north of England. Well, after our visit, Dickie and I stuck around to compete in a pizza competition. For me, it's always nice to have a bit of friendly competition at work. So, in the back of our van was a little portable pizza oven and some kindling, and of course some special ingredients. You know that a pizza made by Dickie or I wouldn't be plain or simple. We agreed that I would make a pizza using just fresh ingredients, and Dickie would only use things from his preservation station. It's not quite a class of cultures because, well, I love both and so does Dickie, but I know I'm going to have to bring my A-game to get the better of Dickie and all the delicious things that he has at his disposal. I think if Tommy win, wins, I'm going to have a no end of boasting on the way home, so I'll have to try my best to beat him. To make things fair, we're using the same dough and the same oven, and Courtyard Dairy have given us some beautiful, freshly made cheese, like beautiful, fresh, chalky curds, as well as any seasonal offerings that they've already talked to us about. So, time to get to work. Well, I think it's a little unfair because Dickie actually used to work in a pizza restaurant. I did. 
I, I think my pizza will have better flavour. Put it that way. Well, mine's preserved and that's where all the flavour is, so I mean... But, yours probably might look better because I'm a bit scared of getting stuck to the paddle, to be honest. I mean, it's going to be pretty embarrassing if I don't win, really, because, I mean, I know it's all down to flavour, but, like you said, I did work in a pizza restaurant for four years, so hopefully I've got a good technique. Right, let's see you then. Are you going to do this, Dickie? Yeah, let's do it. I want to, because I want to see your techers for rolling out the pizza. No, I want to see yours first. No, because you, I don't know how to do it. So I thought you should go like that and let the gravity of it Yeah, sort of you can, but this is, look how round this is, it's like, fantastic. It's not bad though, this is it, to be fair. You've got flour in my eyes, went through that. So is that what you do, you just push it out like that? So I just I was kind gonna, of like, oh, do a bit yeah, of that. Oh yeah, started copying off me. No, no, and then just like, stretch, oh you see, it's like riding a bike. And then you just do a bit of that, stretch it out, cover yourself in flour. Oh no, don't look at that bit. Did you make this pizza dough? It's very fragile. I think you started off with a bigger dough ball than me. Nowadays, you can pick up pizza dough from any supermarket, really, and most varieties are kept in the freezer aisle. You can often get sourdough ones as well, which are incredible. Of course, you can make your own. If you're already making sourdough bread, you can use that starter to make an incredible um, sourdough pizza dough, or uh, even just like the simple ones, as long as you're using a, a strong flour, um, you can make a, a, a really good dough. But probably easier just to pick it up from the supermarket if you want something quick. Is Dickie's looking better? I feel like he's squashed a bit of the air out the sides. Yeah, but that'll get going in that super hot oven, won't it? Could be a little bit rusty. You loving that? Yeah, I think there's something nice about an imperfect pizza shape. It's, it's more rustic, right? The other thing you need to do is get all the flour off the base, otherwise it'll just burn, obviously, on the oven. My comfort zone's flavour. I might not be very good at making pizzas, but it's going to taste great. With the dough stretched and ready, I'm going to let Dickie go first, and he's got quite the unusual set of ingredients. So I'm going to probably offend half of the listeners because I'm going to do a Oldstead take on uh, a ham and pineapple pizza. So I've got some of our own salami that we've made. So we've got Italian-style sort of salumi there, and then so that's the sort of ham element, and then some uh, pickled. Yorkshire forced rhubarb, uh, which is going to be the sort of acidic pineapple item. And then we've also got some fermented tomato sauce from last winter that we uh, are going to put on the base. Some pickled bits and bobs, so we'll just see how it develops. So instead of ham and pineapple, it's pork and rhubarb. I should have expected something like this, a version of an Hawaiian with rhubarb. You've basically taken the most Marmite of pizzas and made it more unusual. Right, I'm going to get some sauce on. So we've got some tomatoes that we've fermented and then just cooked down into a nice thick sauce. Bit of fresh basil in there from the polytunnel back at the farm. It's nice and thick. That is thick. Someone's had the xanthan gum out, I think, in that. Look how glossy it is. Sauce is on, so I'm gonna just uh, get a bit of cheese on there as well. So I'm gonna go for maybe that Summerfield, because that's quite like nice. It's like, a, it's like preserved, isn't it? It's like a year old, like most of our preserves are. It's just gonna complement it really well, I think. So we've got some of the rhubarb that we got from Tomlinson's back in the winter. 
it doesn't smell very pineapple does it? But I feel like it might have a similar vibe on the pizza, although ham and pineapple is a very controversial topping. Even I might need convincing about rhubarb on pizza, but Dickie's version of ham has my taste buds going. So I'm just going to get my pork ready for... I think I might put it on like 30 seconds before the pizza's ready. So this is salami made with our mangalitsa pigs. Which is... Ooh. Look at the fat in there. It does look good. That'll render out hopefully a little bit. I'll just melt. See, my worry is not making the tasty pizza, it's getting it on the paddle and getting it off the paddle. That is, I, to be honest, getting it on the paddle is probably the most difficult bit. These little pizza ovens are awesome. There's a few different brands you can get and they don't cost a fortune. They get fired up in just a few minutes. And the only thing you need to remember is enough kindling, which we didn't bring. We had some, but that quickly burned through. So by the time Dickie's Pizza went in the oven, we were actually burning the wooden boxes that you get from the Baron Bigos and the Tunworths. Uh, that courtyard dairy is selling. Oh, hey, it looks like a pizza. You cook it. Yes. Slowly. So yeah, it's probably not as hot as it ought to be. Thankfully though, there were enough broken twigs and branches around to give the pizza oven a perverbial kick. So is yours cooked yet now? What? What are you messing around with? Well, you know, it's depends how crispy you like it. I reckon a couple of minutes. I haven't got it quite. Nevertheless, after a bit longer in the oven than we, we first anticipated, Dickie's pizza was just about ready. Just time to add the final ingredients. Oh, we've got action. Oh, it's time for, hang on, it's time for rhubarb. Who knew? Oh, Are you starting to get a nice little? Yeah, I got a bit of colour. So little rise. That, that's uh, cheese is melted, a bit of colour on there. I think the best thing about making pizzas is oh. eating the stuff before you put it on. Yeah. It does taste very nice, this salami. Oh, look at that on there. Oh. It does look really good, actually. It does look good. I'm not sure the rhubarb's going to come in. Well, we'll see. Right, that's going back in for... Do you want a bit it... of blue cheese on there? No. Oh, look at the colour. I think we're ready. Oh, look at that. Are you sure it's had long enough? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever tried? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it looked and smelt better than I expected, but I had a few special plans of my own up my sleeve, starting with lamb fat. So, some nice Yorkshire olive oil, aka lamb fat infused with mint. Hang on, isn't that classed as a preserve? What, fat? Yeah, well, like, like I made that, so it's not really fresh, is it? It was preserved last year. So I think. It's just. What? Yeah, but your, your whole pizza was meant to be fresh, not preserved. Howway, Dickie, you've got to let me have at least one preserved ingredient. Pizza, to me, shouldn't be greasy and bland like a lot of offerings are. You know, I think if they're made well, they can actually taste really quite healthy. Topped with lots of veggies and meats. Everything should be bursting with flavour. So I've got some little courgettes which I've sliced real thin and just dressed in my minty lamb fat, which I'm hoping is just going to render down and you're going to get that sort of, you know, like lamb and sort of fresh cheese is a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like people do lamb and goat's curd, like lamb and sheep's curd. Feta's nice, Feta, isn't it? exactly. It's that sort of vibe. Yeah. So everything in here is fresh, acidic. You're going to finish it with lots of herbs. I'm going to steal some, whatever's in that hedgerow down there, that's going on it. <laughs> 
to make sure my pizza is super seasonal, I'm going to grab whatever I can find in the garden behind Courtyard Dairy because you can't beat just picked flavour. I'm just going to go do a quick bit of foraging and then I'm ready to cook. Does he know he's making a pizza, not a dessert? Foraging elderflower. Oh! That lovage! Fresh is best! Look who's just found some lovage pollen. Yeah. I've also seen some dandelions, I think it's going to go on mine. Obviously, I don't know exactly what this is going to taste like, but I'm pretty confident it's all going to work in harmony. Mmm. I'm just going to eat that bit, some blue ball. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Time to get it out of the oven and onto the plate. Yeah, let's go for it. OMG, look at that lamb fat just rendering. Oh, that does look good to be fair. Do you know what would have been nice on there? A bit of wild garlic leaves. You're scared of the flavour on there though, aren't you? You can see the flavour. Yeah, it does look good. Yeah, man. Nice. Those courgettes are loving life in that lamb fat. Oh, yeah. And this that... could be a special at the, at the Abbey Inn. I mean, not if I'm making it. No, that's Crikey. True. Take, and not you put, in this pizza oven either. You put your order on and half an hour later, you still don't have your food. <laughs> Five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Perfect. Later on, it's decision time, as mine and Dickie's pizza creations are put under the microscope. As regular listeners will know, my well-seasoned club is giving away some amazing monthly prizes. Last month it was a Kasai home grill and this month we're giving away a stay at the Abbey Inn. But next month, as well as our grand prize of a full meal and stay at the Black Swan, we're also giving away some tickets to my home of food festival. The event is taking place at Lord's Cricket Ground in London on the 9th and 10th of September and it's going to be an amazing celebration of food with some of the best chefs in the country and I mean the very best. So joining me is people like Lisa Allen who's incredible, we've got Gareth Ward and Alex Bond, Josh Eggleston, Luke French, Noxie Majosi, who else is coming, Actor Islam's going to be there. Um, Will and Callum, so obviously Callum from the Black Swan and Will from Roots are going to be down there with me. Tom Shepard's come in, who's awesome. Niall Keaton, oh my god, the list just goes on. I can't stop thinking of reeling all these guys off. There's this incredible list of chefs who's going to be coming and helping us. So at the festival, what I'm asking the chefs to do is to come and take over the food trucks, which are a permanent feature at Lord's, but to cook up something super delicious and innovative. I'm sure there'll be food from all sorts of cultures and cuisines and some creations even I've never seen or tasted before. And last week I got a chance to speak to two chefs from London who are going to be with me at the festival. Jack and Will run a place called Fallow. And if you haven't heard of it yet, you definitely will soon. It just landed in the top 50 of the best restaurants in the UK, alongside Roots and the Black Swan, and it serves a menu all about sustainable cooking. I'll let them explain. Will, Jack, thanks for, thanks for meeting me while I'm down here. Uh, for, for those listeners who aren't familiar with Will and Jack, there's an amazing restaurant called Fallow, uh, which is in Haymarket in London. It's the most incredible place, like really busy, bustling, but incredible creative food. And I'm going to pay you a compliment because I, um, obviously I love eating out in restaurants, and, but my main thing is I like to like dream about how I'd open different things. And I'm the person who walks down the street and sees anywhere closed and I'm like, oh, we could put that in there, we could put that in there. And when I sat and ate in your restaurant for the first time, I was like, 
I wish this was my restaurant, That's which amazing. I very rarely think. That's very big compliment. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> it, it's cool. I like I like what you do, and normally like I appreciate what people do. But I actually sat there and was like, yeah, I'm a bit jealous. I, I really quite like this. No, see, you haven't seen it behind the scenes. Uh, <laughs> weird, when everyone said when we first like were sort of landing on that site, they were like, no, do not go to that end of uh, Haymarket. Our, our neighbours are the Angus Steakhouse and. Uh, I mean, yeah, Pizza Express. Was it? I think um, uh, some of our close, um, like PR PR team said, just they're like it's the graveyard of restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> Haymarket, like it's, it's like a, a site. Restaurants go to die. Like, everything's just failed, like yeah. time after time. But um, but you've like, really got that bustling, busy atmosphere that that you have on. You know, I mean, you talk about like steakhouses and stuff like that. But that's what like they have, and you've actually sort of captured that yeah. the environment that's outside, but sort of brought it into a much more refined, creative style. Yeah, well, thanks. It's it's um it's we always say it's like a bistro style, like um, but yeah, I mean it we kind of molded by uh, by when we opened, which was in uh, Hedden Street, which was a a small pop up, um, which eventually grew into like quite a large pop up because we took the whole street because everyone else had closed. <laughs> um, and um, she could always go to the popular streets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where when we first when we first started on our sort of quest, cause we we met at, um, Heston's. Um, and we're very used to cooking that kind of that style of food. We were going for a full-on like you know Michelin, and we we had a really set idea of sort of fine dining route. But but yeah, as everyone learned during lockdown, it kind of changed, and mm. then it came became just much more of a focus from a business point of view to get bums on seats mm. and to to drive and be part of a busy restaurant again. So we're we're super happy that we tried to achieve we managed to achieve that further. I can honestly say that the first time I ate at Fallow, I was blown away by what they do. And one of the signature dishes at the time was a cod's head, literally a fish head. So I asked the boys how that one came about. When we, first, when we set out on the journey of the sustainability thing started off we, when we first worked at Heston's together. Um, you know, we were both working in a fine dining, two Michelin style restaurant. And it was all, it always started off as a bit of a, a laugh it was almost like oh god look at all this stuff that we not thrown away because it's wasteful but because you know you're in search of perfection mm. you're trying to get x to fit in y you're trying to get things to be diced perfectly 120 gram portions of this beautiful sorted slightly green can't use it you know you're searching for perfection but then you always see that there's a, there's a big element of waste with that mm. um and we always said you know imagine the food the dishes you could create just out of the waste from mission star restaurants so yeah. when, we, when we did like leave to set up our own thing, we thought that could be an interesting, different thing. Like when you're opening a restaurant, you're trying to find something that's a little bit different, that's going to attract people to come to the restaurant. And that was what we started with. Um, and when we first started, it was so difficult. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've designed hundreds of menus, but when you're trying to think of something different, you're trying to find these mm. new ideas, it's so bloody hard. Mm. Um, but then we almost had to chain, train our minds and change the way we thought about food. Um, it started off with li literally going to suppliers, what are you throwing away? What's in the bin? What is wow. surplus? Hence where the concept came from. Yeah. We just visited, we visited our fish supplier in Billingsgate Market. Just lobbing off heads and just like literally scraping them off the bench into a big metal bin. We were looking inside, there's all sorts of shit in there. There's like hake heads, there's like brill heads, there's all sorts. Plus, obviously a load of waste, well, yeah. guts and stuff. And we're like, well, what, what happens to that? And it's like, well, that goes, just goes back into fisherman's production for bait and they're like well could you just send us some tomorrow and they literally did they just pulled it out of the bin <laughs> junked it in a bag and sent it to the restaurant like these, we were like, these mugs we were like, I, I, I mean i'm sure we do a bit better a bit better than that but um 
He actually arrived like literally head, guts and everything. It was gruesome. And we tried <laughs> hacking it in half and we tried brining it and we tried curing it and we tried all these different bits. Um, and we kept ordering them day in, day out. And it got to a point where we managed to find something we were happy with serving. Um, and then hence we, we had it on a special. The nicest thing for us is that when it first started arriving, it was a waste product. Mm. And then by us um, giving it value yeah. and then requesting it and working with that supplier, it now comes as a premium ingredient. It comes in a nice box, it's perfectly prepped, it's like nicely um, handled. And we've actually turned, uh, well, not, we can't take for sole responsibility, but we've turned something that went into the bin from that supplier and we've turned it into a premium ingredient. And now we're buying from four or five different suppliers. So now we go direct to ship. So we've got four, we've got basically four different fleets wow. that we buy direct from and they come like beautifully, they're pristine. Obviously you can tell yeah. when a fish is fresh from the eyes, the gills. And so you can tell how, how fresh this, and it's it's one of those things, we can only do that because we do quite a lot of covers at Father. Yeah, so, but that's where you can make a real difference. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. That, that's what I get excited about as we grow our business. It's like, you know, a lot of chefs just want to do, oh, I want a 20 cover restaurant and that's it. But if you actually want to make a statement or you want to do something, you actually need scale to be able to do something that really affects change. Sustainability is a big word and I think sometimes it's overused without really being present. I know at our farm we're lucky to have ingredients grown on site and we embrace that but down in London it's perhaps not so simple. But the boys told me that they still found ways to find super sustainable ingredients but just in a really different way. Their latest effort is using spent hens. And um, it's like the biggest industrial waste in, in in the UK, basically, uh, which is X laying hens. It's all all linked. You've not you've not just got um, you know you've got all different forms of welfare hens get lumped into the same box. But you have to order them by pallet. Yeah. So they normally go to Africa, don't they? Yeah, they call it hard chicken in Nigeria. So yeah, they, they export loads of it. Um, but we've we've just we've partnered with a, um, a really amazing uh, guy, Devon, who's who's trying to kind of upset the the market. Uh, they're they're um, they're basically taking this and they're making it into into a mince, and they're trying to like they're trying to use it as an affor affordable food source for schools and stuff. Yeah, we're we're working with them to try and affect a bit of change, but you know it's just scale. That, it's tons of that scale. Was and you also need skill. That's yeah. Well, this was going to be my next question, right? It's, so it's not right. So old old hens. So these are for our listeners. They're sort of hens which have been in the egg production. Um, yeah. egg production life and then they've come to end of end of life and then that they become meats but normally that's a, not a premium product that then gets sent abroad is what happens is the truth of it so I get it if you were mincing it and you'd create this sort of sustainable food source but how are you guys cooking it to get like we've tried we actually it's something oh, we, we've, we've tried, tried um, I can't remember where we were the first I think Will found it somewhere the first idea for it but we tried everything mm. oh it was actually before, Koji, before we, we even started Fatter when yeah. we were two young whippersnappers in uh, <laughs> a local cooking competition in Brixton, we were trying to use spent hens because they used to be hanging around Brixton Market, yeah. hanging by the neck, just like <laughs> around. The boiler birds. Yeah. Boiler yeah. Bird, boiling chickens, yeah, I think that's what most of them yeah. get sold at. That's what people at home might know them as. Um, but we tried everything. We tried taking the legs off, we tried salting it, we tried confing it, we tried everything under the sun that our limited skill set at the time could muster. It's a very unique ingredient because the flavour is actually really good, but like, it, I mean, typically like, 
the lifespan. It's like they're usually, I think, they're over something like sixty-four weeks. Only sixty-four. Yeah, weeks. yeah, yeah. That's that's what, that's when they've reached the end of the I'm um, lay, laying um, cycle. Well, the, the product, pro- the peak, the, the peak product productivity. But yeah, I, mean, I, I keep hens, right? We have hens on our farm, and they lay eggs when they're four, when they're five, when they're six. Yeah. But consistently, the flavour is very good. So they're very good for stocks. Mm. Uh, and they're £1.20 a kilo, if you wow. can afford to take a, a pallet of them. So you know, the first round, years ago, we tried. We actually gave up. We're like, it's not usable. Can't think of anything to do. Maybe we could use it for stocks and sauces and stuff. Yeah. It's cheaper alternatives. But when um, we started working with this guy, and now the restaurant's up and running, and the more you work with these sort of ingredients, you actually build up a, almost like a knowledge of how to use ingredients. Mm. And you're, you seem to like just get used to it, get used to them. But when people first come in to the restaurant as chefs, they're like, like they don't have a clue. Like it's like, <laughs> well, it's so different because well, we're it's just turning everything on its it's head. Not, it's not in a book, is it? No. Like, no. You know, it's not, not taught. So what? But it's, it's, we use it for mousses now. Oh. Really so where, because you're blending it, mousse, so you're yeah. breaking down all this. Yeah. It honestly works. It works really, really well. Rather than using uh, chicken breast. So at the moment yeah. we've got hog on the menu, which is stuffed with like a wild garlic. And, oh, I've and, seen and that. That's great. Yeah. Mousseline, which is, and it, it, I don't know different properties but it, it holds it really it holds really really firm um so it's quite robust on service and it's got a really deep like quite intense flavor which mm. sometimes mousses can be lacking a bit of oh yeah depth the and water it's down yeah exactly like, yeah. it's good for like uh you know like sort of like a kima sort of style like mince like fried mince that sort of thing we've yeah. made mm. emulsified chicken sausages with it it's quite good but again the mousse is to us has been the best thing we found so far yeah um i think we'll I'll probably continue with that I think the idea of finding an alternative use for spent hens is amazing. The idea that these animals are shipped off and become meat in Africa, surely that's not the most efficient way of doing things for the animals or for the planet. Before they left, I wanted to ask what the boys had in store for the Home of Food Festival. And no surprises, they've pulled out all the stops. So all of you who listen regularly will know I'm a massive cricket fan and heard me talking about the food festival we're doing at Lords this year, which is something I'm really excited about, um, bringing some amazing uh, chefs to Lords and really hoping to to get a lot of you along just to see what they're cooking. So, so it's sort of great to catch up. Have you heard any thoughts about the food festival, what you might cook there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we, we've been um, we've been working on something which is it's kind of leading on for what we've been saying, but we had this amazing supplier, um, uh, Basically, they're based down in Devon and Cornwall, but they're the largest importer of fish to the UK. So that's not just Daybo, not what chefs often talk about, but like stuff that's coming in from Icelandic farms or Mm. what goes through the supermarket chain. So, yeah, I was speaking to a, they're called Ocean Fish, uh, and it's a lady called Vicky, and she was talking about how um, they portion all the fish there for all the major supermarkets. Okay, so like when you see like the plastic packs yeah. of like two pieces of salmon. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I, so, but, but, so all the white fish that comes into the UK. Okay. Um, it's a huge supplier. So they have, uh, for at any point in their food system, they have 14 tons, metric tons of pure white fish waste. Um, like what, every day of the year? Yeah, that's uh, like rolling stock. Th- that's once you've taken the, f- the bones off, taken the, s- the skin off, and it's a perfectly usable piece of fish. And that's because what we're cutting, it square, square portions It doesn't fit fish. right in the box. So it's tails and... Yes, yeah. the, the tails or any irreg- irregular shapes at the end of the, uh, end of the fillets. So, so yeah, it's a super interesting product. We've been making uh, fish frankfurters. Um, and so we're making, we're using like Cornish cuttlefish as, to make a mousse, okay. which is also another super sustainable uh, yeah abundant ingredient in the UK um, and yeah it, it, 
what how many how many attempts have we had of how many well, we had, dodgy it, fish it, sausages it's a bit like it's a bit like the spent hen it's actually a dish we've been working on for the menu um, yeah well we wanted to do a fish sausage you know since we everyone's read the josh nyland uh, fish butchery yeah, book and we yeah. were like we were, everyone's inspired by that fish charcuterie and stuff we were like let's do a fish sausage um didn't know how we were going to fit it on the menu but we tried firstly we just tried treating the fish like pork mince you yeah. know just mincing it and emulsifying it and doing some other bits and the end results were just not that great it was really crumbly there wasn't the fat contents it was just lean and dry it was just splitting and just we actually gave up for a little bit and then where did the idea come from? It was cut, we, we were using cuttlefish for something else. and then We said we were going to put pork fat in. Yeah. And then we said, let's try and make a fish that, fat. That wasn't the best. So we minced, so we made basically made a cuttlefish mousse. I'm getting cod liver oil vibes. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we made a cuttlefish mousse and then basically cured the white fish, uh, rinsed it off and then diced it up and then folded it through the cuttlefish. Uh, um, so it's like a cuttlefish cod mousse with cured cod folded through it. And that firms it right up so it... Yeah, yeah and then it's just smoked as well so you get that, you know, you get that really nice snap. What's the spice in this? We've got, we've got sriracha in there. Yeah, got a few light spices. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's, it's just smoked so it's like, it's just, it's just like that banging snap of a frankfurter sausage. Yeah, yeah. And um, we use lamb casings, right? We use lamb casings so you get that like nice little shape. Yeah. Um, and then to serve it with, we've got we've made these little beautiful little brioche buns, like nice little mini ones. Yeah. But like, so you've got the nice sausage protruding from it. And then from all the cuttlefish bones and, and all the, any other fish trims we have made, lovely fish stock. Um, and then basically made a fish stock and gherkin waste fluid gel. Mm, so like yeah, a seaweed, like and we put in loads of seaweed, shot. loads of gherkins in there, like a seaweed fish ketchup. So that'll be wow. inside the bun. And we've got some pickled chilies, pickled white cabbage. <laughs> Frankfurter, and then like just classic white, uh, yeah. sorry, classic yellow mustard. I mean, that sounds incredible. I cannot wait to try that. I feel, I feel a bit lucky that we kind of came up with it. It was so good. That's incredible. So um, if people, because I mean, this is effectively like street food, but yeah. like if people knew how much work yeah. going into that. I think that. the thing is like, with a, what we've always been really keen about is like, um, I think, I think principally is what we were talking about before. When you go out to eat, like it's, I don't want to be like massively, hugely badgered about this is from here, this is from mm. the, you know, it's great if you have that information to hand if someone's interested and keen to ask about it, but we don't, we try and avoid ramming it down people's throat. It's what we've always said we're trying to achieve is people like, that was a banging meal, yeah. that was great, I had a really good time with whoever I've come to, to eat with. And then as they're leaving, it's like, well, and, and it's, it's sustainable as well so yeah. different it's unique it's yeah i i feel sort of 50 50 on that i totally get the the how you how you feel about that and i and i kind of agree like the last thing you want to do is ramp something down people's throat sometimes though when i know how much work's gone something i feel a little bit gutted that it's people just eat something in a wonder and it's just sort of gone you're like oh, they might have, they'd appreciate it more but i think that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast to be mm. honest because it just allows you that format to actually tell the story a bit more i think as well we, we are doing we, we, get, we are doing sometimes 700 comes a day we so. get that with our, we, <laughs> we have enough people to sell, tell tell stories all day long if you're listening from down in london and i know lots of you are why not make follow your next dinner out and don't forget if you want to be in with a chance of winning some home of food festival tickets for september and it's going to be epic and trying out that salvage fish frankfurter then get on board with our well-seasoned club. Just visit www.tommybanks.co.uk forward slash seasoned to sign up and get all the exclusive member-only benefits. I'm also going to put up the whole interview with me and the boys on there so you can hear all the things we chatted about too. 
Thanks, lads. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, I know man. you're busy, busy guys, uh, but um, I hope to come and see you again soon. And uh, yeah, look forward to trying those fish frankfurters. Absolute pleasure. No, thanks. Man. Great to be thanks here. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. Now, earlier, Dickie and I were competing in a pizza cook-off. Dickie has created a pizza made entirely from preserved ingredients. His take on a Hawaiian with rhubarb instead of the more, can you call it traditional, pineapple? This does look really interesting to be fair. But you know as a chef when people tell you things are interesting it's not actually a compliment. Meanwhile I've gone for something much fresher. Courgettes, fresh herbs and some delicious seasonal cheese. Oh and a bit of lamb fat as well. I can't obviously subscribe to the idea that fresh is better than preserved because I've built my whole career around preserving things. Uh, but I do think mine looks super fresh and vibrant and lovely. And when you've got lovely fresh produce in the middle of summer, why not cook with it? But Dickie and I will never agree on which one wins. So to get an official vote, we've asked Courtyard Dairy's very own Big Cheese, Kathy. Dickie, describe your pizza to Kathy. So we have got all things Olstead preserved. So we've got our, some of our mangalits of pigs that have been preserved into a salami, so that's obviously on there. We've got some uh, Yorkshire forced rhubarb from back in January from Rhubarb Robert that we've uh, salted and then pickled. So that's kind of like your hams in the salami and then a bit of pineapple-esque going on with the yeah. sweet and sour from the if rhubarb's rhubarb. rhubarb's pineapple. Yeah, exactly. And then some pickled wild garlic as well. And then some beautiful summer field cheese to finish. And then at the base we've got uh, fermented tomato sauce. Wow, it looks incredible. Thank you. <laughs> you wouldn't think to put rhubarb on my pizza, but so no, you wouldn't, I, would I you? can't imagine many people have to be totally honest. Yeah, but we don't really grow pineapples, do we? So no, well, that's, that's pretty good. Like that's yeah. kind of our our vibe is like trying to find recognisable flavours, but it's definitely got a ham and pineapple vibe about it. Does it? Mm. Mm. I quite like that actually. Mm. So Dickie's pizza is served up surprisingly well i mean it's not an hawaiian but i think that's a good thing for me pork and rhubarb is is probably a better combination kathy enough about him right so i <laughs> didn't i didn't make the pizza all about me i celebrated the cheese makers um so i started with base of fresh lactic cheese that was from your cheese making course just yeah. a couple of days ago so i felt that was a bit more you know seasonal it was fresh on top of that some lamb fat because rather than like olive oil, I thought some lamb fat, which is infused with mint. So we've got that all over it. So I was just going to bubble down and sort of cook the flatbread. Uh, and then I put some Hebden goat's cheese on, which you can see is the bit that's caramelised nicely under the flame. I really thought about which cheese to cook with. Some little courgettes. And then to finish, I just shaved the Alpine Summerfield cheese over it while it was still warm. But I didn't want to cook with it so it would get too sweaty. So I shaved it on top. I found some tiny little lovage flowers on your lovage oh, plant. Yeah. So I just picked a few of them over it. Some beautiful elderflowers from down there as well. And some mint that I brought from the Black Swan Garden. And that is it. So it's like a lamb fat courgette and three cheese pizza. Hello. I think you might have had me at lamb fat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you've got some elderflower and lovage stuff from the garden, that's great. Yeah, you love lovage, don't you? I love, yeah, I love lovage. That's good, because I think people either love it or hate it. <laughs>
The lovage out in the garden was an unexpected win, I have to be honest, but all the flavours here are bringing out the freshness in that seasonal cheese, and with a base of lamb fat underneath it all, I think I know where the accolade's gonna go. They look really different, don't they? But both look really good. That's lovely and fresh. It's fresh isn't it? You so fresh. That just fresh lactic cheese is great to use on a pizza because it's mm. like, like I said before, it tastes healthy, doesn't it? It doesn't <laughs> taste he heavy at all. And you can taste the lamb fat. Mm. It's not too. Mm. Yeah. This is. Yeah, this is great. It's like lamb fat and mint, so it's kind of, and it's really, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, but lovely. Mm. You're just more cooked than mine. Yeah. Oh, they're both really good. Mm. Can I Dickies, be really diplomatic? I don't know. Um, Diplomacy is not our strongest point. I think uh, it's the lamb fat for me, but that's me. But Cass is the. If I'm honest, I really like yours, but I think I'd go back for a second slice of that one. Just because it is a bit fresh. Oh. oh no. Unbelievable. That's it, a win for me. Well, I guess it would have been awkward if I had lost, although it was an awkward car journey anyway. So, I mean, in, in fairness to you, <laughs> the bit that sold mine was a lamb fat, and you made that, so exactly. maybe. I'll take that. It's honourable. Maybe we should have a rematch next time we're up. Fresh has beaten preserved on this occasion, but for most of our food, I really think combining the two delivers the best results. We had an amazing afternoon at Courtyard Dairy and hopefully what we cooked up might have inspired you to be a bit more imaginative with your own pizza creations. Next time you get the pizza oven out, send me a picture and tell me what you made. I'll give a shout out to the most mouth-watering combinations. That's it for this week. Thank you to Will and Jack from Fallow for joining me earlier. It was such an inspiring chat, so interesting their approach to food and I honestly can't stop thinking about that fish frankfurter. I hope you've enjoyed this episode too. See you next week.